Hey, you guys can have a seat wherever you're at. Glad you're here today. Uh, I'm already, man, I'm winning already. Uh, I had one of our elders sitting behind us, and he was like, you're going to spill that plant when you walk up there. I made it, man, all right? I made it. The plant's still here. It's still good. Hey, uh, it's a fun day. You can already feel the energy and the excitement. We got a baby dedication today. Uh, Yeah, those are always fun moments. Uh, Yeah, when there's new life in the life of the church, that's exciting. We love to celebrate that. Uh, It was also a fun week. State basketball just took place. Uh, Anybody go to any state basketball this week? A few of you? All right, there we go. Yeah, Fort Calhoun made it to state for the first time in 99 years. And... Eight seed, they beat the one seed. Oh, it was a blast. It was a blast. I'm, I'm personally attached to that team. I've been, uh, I know a couple of the kids that go there. They're, they go here to our church, their family. I've known their family a long time in ministry. Uh, I've watched their older brothers, you know, play in districts and lose and lose. And they, you know, the, this set of twins, uh, they're the second set of twins in this family. They got to experience the first win ever for that program. I don't know, in state. It was huge, crazy game. A lot of fun. So I I love state basketball. I love, uh, man, just some of the different things going on in the life of the church. So we got a lot of just, I don't know, there's energy here today, and you can feel it, and there's excitement about what is going on. And and I think in this series run that we've been in, uh, we've been going through this book of 1 Corinthians. And if you've missed the first couple weeks, that's okay. We're only on chapter three, all right? It's a little slow going here, Uh, but that's how it is. When you first start running, it's a little slow at first, right? If you're training for a marathon, you don't run 20 miles on your first day. You start slow and you practice and you build your way up gradually. Uh, And that's what we really believe God is doing in the life of our church. He's teaching us to run, So here we are, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, if you're following along. And if you don't have a Bible, we always have Bibles over here. You can grab one anytime. We usually, we have a resource table. We'll kind of put out different resources, journals, pens, different books that we think, man, this can really help people. Uh, Whatever's on that table, grab it, take it, all right? It's a great resource. We want to help people uh, get into God's Word. So we're going to get into God's Word today, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And Paul, he's been talking over and over about the difference between wisdom and foolishness, okay? And, and what the world says is wise and how it is foolish in comparison to God's wisdom, okay? And so here we are, chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. So when Paul was with them, he couldn't talk to them as he would to spiritual people. They were brand new. He was helping get this church started. It was in the very beginning stages. He had to talk to them as if they were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. You still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another, and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? They were caught up in this idea of wisdom. 
In Corinth, there would be these different people that would come around, and they'd get up, and, uh, you know, I kind of explained it last week. It was like TED Talks. I had somebody, one of my friends came up to me today, and he's like, I got, I got it, I got it. I was like, what would you call TED Talks in Corinth? He said, Corinth Convos, or Convos in Corinth, all right? So that's what they were doing. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, props, Josh. There you go, man. There you go. So, hey, that, that's what they were doing. They were going around, and so that's what Paul is doing, except he's not speaking like all these other, uh, these, these people of Sophia or wisdom that would get up and speak. You know, he's not using the same skills or rhetoric or any of the, the tricks of the trade that the great speakers of that time would use. In fact, he speaks out of his weakness. Now, Apollos, Apollos is a whole nother type of speaker, preacher, whatever you want to call it. Uh, when he came, uh, I mean, I, we, we don't know exactly, but there was something about him. It was charismatic. It was energetic. I mean, it was just uh, people were attracted to the way he preached the truth of God's word, okay? It wasn't that they weren't attracted to what Paul was doing. They loved the message. They loved the message of the cross and Jesus and who he is and what he's done for them. That was their foundation that we're going to see coming up here. But when it came to speaking styles, there were definitely some people that preferred the speaking style of Apollos. And so here we go, verse 5. Here's what he says. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. All right. So it's one of those days. I got, I got illustrations. I need, a, I need a volunteer. All right, here we go. You don't know what's under here. It's a surprise. I need, I need a volunteer. Who's a, Oh, yeah, come on. Here we go. I got one volunteer already. Yes. Chris Palmquist. Oh, man. All right. So I, I also got to say today, I have a former college professor from uh, where I attended, Nebraska Christian College. RIP, they don't exist anymore. He's in the house today. He's actually an inspiration for a lot of my sermons. Uh, his, his teaching style was unique, to say the least. He called it edutainment, all right? And that's what we're doing right here. This is a little edutainment, all right? We're going to learn something, but we're also going to have a little fun. I got you, bud. Ah. I still remember, edutainment. Uh, you coined that phrase. You should get credit for that. All right, so here we go. Uh, Chris, welcome to my restaurant, all right? And, and it's actually not mine. I'm just, I'm a waiter here. I'm a servant. Uh, I've got some delicacies here for you to choose from, all right? I mean, these are, oh, beautiful. Let me just, let me move that so that people can really see, all right? Now I'm going to spill the plant, all right? There you go. We got, man, we got a, a muffin here. We have some Chocolate chip peanut butter cookies. If you have a peanut allergy, I'd recommend you stay away from those. All right. Um, these are some uh, apple filled pie things, sure. mini okay. pies, okay. Sure. and okay. some type of mini muffin. Okay. All home baked, incredible, just, you know, very exquisite. Uh, I'm going to let you have your pick, whatever you would like. I mean, finest of the finest. Take a little taste here. I would recommend the cookies. Yeah, I would recommend the cookies. Oh, yeah. That's good. You know, and I, Oh, jeez, I'm going to knock over something today. All right, go ahead. No, I'm not poisoning you, man. I'm not poisoning you. And like a good, you know, good waiter would have like the napkin like this, right? Is that how they, what, what do you think? It's a good year, right? Good, good vintage on those cookies, yes? Now, what, what would you say if that was, you know, fine dining? Well, you know, you just really enjoyed that. I know it's not a steak, but, you know, if you're in a fine restaurant and you ate something very delicious. I'd pay you for 
No, well, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I was thinking more like, uh, you know, you want to you compliment somebody. What's that phrase that you would use there? My, uh, my compliments to the... The chef. the chef, right? Yes, I knew you'd get it. I knew you'd get it. I knew you'd get it. You'd say my compliments to the chef, right? Yeah. But you wouldn't say my compliments... Why am I still chewing it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is it really chewy? Yeah. Oh, I mean, we made these fresh last night. I promise. I promise, man. But you wouldn't say my compliments to you. Would you give me credit for that? Yeah. No. I'm not the chef, right? My wife made them. All right. Technically, you know, her mom made them and gave us them to warm up. But still, all right. I wasn't the chef, all right? So you feel bad. It's all right. She's probably not watching this. She won't find out that you don't like her cookies. It's all right. <laughs> You wouldn't say my compliments to you. You wouldn't say, man, you did great on this, right? Because what am I? I'm the waiter. All right, perfect. Thank you. Give Chris a hand. Give Chris a hand. Wow. Do you want to take one to go? Are you, you, you can take one to go, man. Yeah, yeah. Tell your friends. She sells these online. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. All right. There's snacks over there if you guys want some at the end. You would not say my compliments to the waiter. You, you wouldn't say, man, you did great on this. This is amazing. Thank you. You are incredible at this. Let, let me tell you something here. This word here, look at this. Uh, verse 5, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Diakonos. That's the Greek. That's what he's using right here for servant. It, it actually, it, it would have meant like a waiter. A servant, a waiter, someone who performs any type of service. He's not the chef. He, 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 didn't, he, he didn't come up with this. He, he's, not, he's not Jesus. He's not the foundation. He's not the savior. He's not the source of power. He is a waiter. He and Apollos, they are servants to the chef. That's what they are. And so what you have right here, you have people in the church giving the servants credit for what God has done. You have people in the church saying, oh, man, Apollos, that's my guy. That's who I follow. And you have people over here saying, no, 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 I follow Paul. That's my guy. I'm with him. I'm all about whatever Paul is saying, whatever he's doing. Man, if he's wearing the latest robe, I'm going to get that robe. You know, I'm a, I'm a follower of Paul. Or Cephas, man, that Peter, all right? People call him Cephas also. Cephas. Man, that's what I follow. That's my guy. What you are doing, what these people were doing, they were saying, hey, hey, I'm following the waiter. Like the waiter is not the source of the food. The waiter is not the source of the goodness. The waiter is not the source of what you enjoy or what you are getting life from. They're just the servant. But here they are worshiping almost, idolizing the servants, idolizing the waiters. And we, we still have that today. You can look around at the church in America and you got people jumping from one church to the next saying, man, that pastor over here, he's, you know, he's cool. He's got skinny jeans or, man, I, I like my pastors in some, you know, full suits and, you know, dressed up a little bit nicer than a homeless person. I'm like, come on, guys, I don't look that bad. I've heard, I've heard what you people say about me, all right? I mean, it is all jumping, 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 and we worship, and we idolize, and we do it on a bigger, grander scale now with social media, 
We look at some of these pastors or some of these influencers on social media and we think, man, that, that's where I get my you know, influence from. That's where I learn from. That's where I, I am going to put all of my stock, all of my value into this teacher over here. Whatever they say, that's my theology. That's where I stand. And, and we are worshiping, idolizing servants of the Lord, servants of the chef. And we're giving the servants more credit than what they deserve. And so even here in this church, you have to understand, Andrew and I, Megan, Stone, any pastors, anybody in this church, we're servants first. That's what we are. We've been called to serve. 1 Corinthians, uh, when Paul is writing this, it's actually, it's interesting. Go to chapter 16. Chapter 16, let me see here. I think it's verse, uh, where did that one go? I lost it. Verse 2. Well, I lost that one. I didn't write that one down. All right, yeah, there you go. See, I'm a servant. I'm a waiter. I'm not the chef. All right? So what's going on here is he actually mentions in Corinthians that, hey, Apollos is with him when he's writing this. Like, he doesn't have beef with Apollos. Like, all these people that are saying, oh, I serve this guy, or I follow this guy, this is who I follow, Paul, not, not Apollos, or Apollos, not Paul. They're with each other. They're on the same team, Paul and Apollos. And, and they're both, when he's writing this, I, I'm sure he and Apollos are having this conversation and saying, we gotta get these people in line. Apollos, he probably feels, you know, there's probably a little human part of him, fleshly part, that's like flattered. Oh, these people like me. But he knows the truth. I'm a waiter. I'm a servant. All I was doing was serving up to you the message that I was told. It's not me that brings hope. It's not me that brings salvation. I'm just the servant. All right. Uh, Going on here, verse 6. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. That's why we got a little plant up here, okay? Somebody planted a seed. Somebody's watered it. My wife. I don't, I don't water plants very well. They die, all right? Uh, and, and sometimes in ministry, we start to look at who does the planting and who does the watering, and we start to think, oh, man, they, they deserve more credit over here. Oh, no, 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 this person. They, they're the ones doing the work right now. I don't know where you are in your faith walk today as you are in this room. I don't know if you are far from God or, man, if maybe you've given your life to him and you've chosen to live for him, uh, but maybe somebody else planted that first seed of faith. Maybe some of you in here, the first time you heard about the gospel, the first time you heard about Jesus, it was here with revival. That seed was very first planted in your life. It doesn't matter who planted it. It doesn't matter who's watering it right now. It doesn't matter who has cultivated that faith in your life. Some of us plant, some of us water, but none of us are the source of growth. None of us are the source of life. And we give more credit sometimes to one group or over another. We think, man, that, that person over there, they, they've been planting so much. They've been working so hard. And man, it's great, that ministry that they're doing. They are planting seeds of faith. But guess what? There's a lot of great ministries that plant seeds of faith. But if there's no one to water it after, is that seed going to grow? 
Is that seed going to thrive? Is it going to continue to live and breathe? No. You need both. And the person watering, well, if nobody's planting the seed, there's nothing to water. You need both. It works interdependently on each other. It's cyclical. But none of us are the source of growth. Some plant, some water. I hope here at Revival we do a little bit of both. I hope we're planting seeds. I hope we're watering. I hope we're cultivating growth in people's lives. That's the goal for Revival. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. God is the one working and moving and making growth happen. For we are both God's workers. And you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already laid, Jesus Christ. That's the foundation we put down here. That's why we go and we dig into Scripture. We're not going to go to outside sources. We're not going to go to uh, experts and say, man, this is how you should live your life. No, no, no. Our foundation is Jesus. There is no worldly wisdom that can give us what the wisdom of Jesus can. Anyone who builds on that foundation, verse 12, may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. What we're building, we want to build it to last. You can build a church really easy with wood and straw and hay. I mean, you can build it quick, you can build it fast, but is it going to last? That's the question. You have to build it on Jesus. And Jesus' words are not easy. They're not simple. There's, it's easy to build an attractional church. You know, you can have all the nice things. You can have all the great amenities. But when the day of fire comes, what's left standing? You have to build it on Jesus. He's our foundation. He's the cornerstone. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a church the right way. We're trying to build it his way. We're, we're not following the expert, you know, church planting advice out there. We're not doing all the things that some of those church planting experts would tell you to do. In fact, I, I've told you from the very beginning of revival, uh, I, God is just leading us step by step. Because there's so many things. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not qualified for this. I, I don't have all the right answers. And everything I knew about how to build a church, that I thought, man, someday if I ever, you know, plant a church. I used to think about planting a church a long time ago. I said, man, I got, you know, the first 10 steps taken care of. I know exactly what to do. He, he's used none of those skills that I knew from my previous life. He said, nope, you're not going to do that. He said, nope, you're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it my way. 
because we're gonna build it to last. We're gonna build the people to last, to be able to run the race with endurance, to not give up when it gets hard, to not stop running when it gets difficult, but to persevere and endure through all kinds of trials and fire that we face so that we'll be left standing at the end. That's it right there. That's how we wanna build this church. We wanna build it his way, not man's way. Don't you realize that all of you together, all of you, all of us, all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. We have to really, like, we have to go all the way back to the Old Testament to really understand what's being said right here. For the longest time in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, the people would go to the temple. That was the only place they could worship. That was the only place they could go and experience God's presence. And so that was what they did. They went to the temple, and it was holy. In fact, when we talk about how holy it is, uh, look with me here, Leviticus 10 Leviticus 10, verse 1. And there's all kinds of stories like this in the Old Testament, but there were very precise instructions about how to build the temple and how the priests were supposed to conduct things as far as worship went and sacrifices went. I mean, it was very, like you can go through the Old Testament and you can find rule after rule and things that they're supposed to do, and it was very exact and precise. And so if anybody just went a little bit outside of those commands or those instructions for worship, well, here, you can see what happens. Chapter 10, verse 1 through 2. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners, and they sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire. They didn't burn the right kind of fire. They did it wrong. They just, they changed one little thing. They, what, what were they doing? They were trying to worship God. They were trying to do what they were supposed to do, okay? But they just changed something. I don't know why they changed it. I don't know if it was easier to do it this way or maybe this was like a little less work for them. They were just kind of making a little compromise here. But it was different than he had commanded them. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up and they died there before the Lord. They didn't respect the temple. They didn't respect the laws. They didn't respect the commandments that God had laid out for them and they died because of that. Go on, I got another one here for you. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles 26. Uh, verse 16 through 21. Uzziah, he was king at the time. But when he had become powerful, and he had done a lot of great things. If you read that whole chapter there, 26 leading up, he had done a lot of great things as king. But when he had become powerful, he also became proud. 
If things are going well in your life, if things are going great, if you've got money, if you've got resources, if you've got blessings coming in, that is when you need to watch yourself. That is when you need to watch your life most closely because that's when we are easily susceptible to becoming proud. And that pride, it always leads to the fall. It led, there you go, which led to his downfall, all right? He also became proud, which led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the incense altar. Azariah the high priest went in after him with 80 other priests of the Lord, all brave men. They confronted King Uzziah and said, it's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is the work of the priests alone. He bypassed the priests. There were specific instructions. The king wasn't to do this. It was the job of the priest to go in and burn incense. It's not for you. That is the work of the priests. The descendants of Aaron who are set apart for this work. Get out of the sanctuary for you have sinned. The Lord God will not honor you for this. The Lord God will not honor you for this. Uzziah, who was holding an incense burner, became furious. But as he was standing there, raging at the priest before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead. When Azariah the high priest and all the other priests saw the leprosy, they rushed him out, and the king himself was eager to get out before, before the Lord had struck him. So King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in isolation in a separate house, for he was excluded from the temple of the Lord. His son Jotham was put in charge of the royal palace and he governed the people of the land. When we don't respect the temple, there is punishment. There is justice. And now today we have to understand, we don't have a physical temple, right? Because we are the temple. How do you treat the people in your life? How do you treat God's temple? Man. Do you show them honor? Do you show them respect? Do you treat them as if they are temples of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of them? Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by the world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God as the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. So don't boast about following a particular human leader. Don't take pride. Don't boast. And man, this leader over here, Apollos, he's got it figured out. Paul's got it figured out. Alex or Andrew or John or whoever. No, no, we're servants, not saviors. We get to serve. And he's invited us in to that. Because guess what? 
We're called. When, when we give our lives to him, we're, we're not called to be spectators. We're called to be servants. Some of us, we've just been spectating our whole lives. We've just been sitting here in the audience, and, and we haven't actually stepped out in faith to what God has called us into. He hasn't called you to be a spectator. He's called you to be a servant. And don't get this wrong. He hasn't called you to be a savior. Sometimes we get that idea. We think, man, it's my job to save. It's my job to help these people. It's my job to make a difference in this world. No, no, no. We're not the savior. We're not the source of life. We're not the source of salvation. We are servants, and we are called to go and serve this message up to the people that we've been surrounded with. Whoever God has placed in your life, you've been called to serve. We're not saviors, we're not spectators, we're servants. Whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life or death or the present and the future, everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to you. Man. Let no one boast in their arrogance or pride We've been called as the church to go and serve. We're not above serving. No one is above serving. And so if you're not serving yet, if you're not figuring out what it looks like to serve in God's kingdom, and you need help with that, man, t talk to us. You know, I, as pastors in the church, that, that's what we are. We're here to serve, okay? Part of our job is to help others learn where they've been gifted, what they've been called to do, how they can serve the kingdom. Because we've all been given gifts and talents and abilities, and he's called us to serve. Okay. Before uh, the band comes up, I, I wanna take a moment to pray here. And then after this last song, uh, we're going to have a time where, man, we're going to be able to do this baby dedication. But I, I, I would challenge you, as we're going forward through this week, just ask God, where is it you're calling me to serve? How can I serve your temple? How can I serve your people? And how can I serve the world around me? During this last song, ask that question. Think about it. Process it. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is going to speak into your life because I believe he's speaking something in this moment about where he's calling you and what he's calling you to do. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for this time together. God, we thank you for how you're moving and working in the life of this church and the message that Paul's given us. God, I, I pray that we wouldn't get caught up in our pride, that we wouldn't get caught up in the things of this world, the foolishness of this world, but that we would just move our eyes towards you and the calling you've placed on our lives, that we would figure out what it means to serve in your kingdom, how you've gifted us, how you've called us, Lord. God, let us live our lives poured out for you in every way. Love you, in your name and pray, amen.